Yeah, I, uh, man, what a good day for football. I just turned off the game. Um, I mean, Alabama hadn't lost to Vandy, and it was safe to say we probably weren't. <laughs> so I changed the game and uh, turned it off, and I actually went to bed like a good boy, right? I got some sleep, so that's why I have some energy. I'm just going to let y'all in on a little something, too. I also had some energy drink this morning, and here's, so if you're looking at me, and I might be a little shaky, um, first of all, it's cold, because Pastor Josh likes to hang meat in here during the week, and so to keep that from happening, or to keep the smell, he likes to keep it, you know, wear a jacket cold, um, so I'm a little shivery, but I'm also shaky, because listen, my wife ate my pancakes, <laughs> you know, so she made this big bucket of pancakes from home for her and for some reason she came in and she grabbed my three pancakes that Miss Janet makes me every Sunday and so then I was like well you know what blood sugar is going to tank out so if I pass out up here y'all can leave I guess I mean service is over right right hey listen if you have your Bible this morning you can go ahead and turn to Galatians Four. We're going to be picking up there right at the beginnings of Galatians 4. We're going, to, we're going to get there and listen to me. I know a lot of the times when I get up here, I get up here and I, I'm kind of more like a preacher. But, but what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take some scriptures that is really easy to just kind of read as being some like minute details in the Bible. And I'm going to connect them to our life this morning, and I believe that it will help us. Amen. And so lean in today, pay attention. There's not going to be like a whole lot of like bullet points for you note takers, but don't worry. I got you. I got you some in there, but, but lean in and listen to how this connects to our modern day life. So I grew up in church and I grew up in a, an old school, like Southern Baptist church. And so I'm not knocking that. I'm not hitting on that. What I'm telling you is if you grew up in that type of church, then you know that uh, normally Sunday mornings look something like this. Bow your head and close your eyes. Bow your head and close your eyes. If you brought your Bible this morning, just look up at me. This is children's church. This is what it's like in children's church, right? Look up at me, and I'm like, I brought my Bible. I want some candy. That's me. You know, and then after it was over, right, the, the children's pastor's down there and it's like, hey, I want everybody to meet Jeremy Brown. He got saved today and joined our church. And I'm like, I just, I brought my Bible and I just wanted some candy. You know what I'm saying? Have any of y'all been to that where, where like, they're like, bow your head and close your eyes and they ask you a question and you answer the question, but then it's like, no, you got saved. I saw you. You know, so that's, that, that's kind of the church I grew up in. And so it was, it was, you know, it was fun. It was awesome, powerful time. But really, I was young. And so I didn't really grasp my salvation. I didn't really grasp my relationship with God. So it wasn't until I was about 14, 15 years old, I found a youth group and I got connected, gave my life to Christ. And I can remember being in youth and I can remember that I, I don't remember what the pastor talked about. I don't remember what the pastor said. What I do remember is the feeling afterwards. And I remember the, this feeling of conviction. And I remember I prayed. And, and I prayed and I asked God to be my Lord and Savior. And I got on fire for God and, and started doing stuff in my youth group. But, but listen to me. That's how it looked. But really, I spent the next several years of my Christianity not really understanding 
my salvation. Okay, and, and so see, I knew that Jesus had saved me from sin. I knew that Jesus had forgiven me. I knew that hell was not in my future, right? But what I didn't know and I didn't fully understand, church, is this, that God had not just saved me and, and forgiven my sins, but he had actually welcomed me into his family as one of his own children. Amen? Yeah, y'all give God praise. And, yeah. And it's because I did not understand this concept fully that I, I didn't really uh, know that I had been adopted into this family of God. And so I spent my time trying to earn my way into a family that I already belonged to. And so what I found is I was working and I was doing this, right? Consequently, I was incredibly insecure about my relationship with God. To the point to where I would constantly question, am I good enough? Have I done enough? What, what is God pleased with me? And, and so how I ended my night, every night, every single night, I got down on my knees and I said, God please forgive me of my sin, even the sin that I don't know that I did. God, please let me be better tomorrow. God, please let me be more like you tomorrow. But, but here's the thing, God, I'm about to go to sleep and I'm scared. And so what I need you to do right now is I need you to come into my life and I need you to be my savior. And I did that every night because I was incredibly insecure. And here's what I believe is there's a lot of people that's like that here today. Whether you're in this room, whether you're watching online, I, I've been in ministry for a while. I've got a, a little bit of life experience and it's taught me that there's a lot of you that feel this same way, right? If, if we walk up and we're like, hey, describe your relationship with God. You would tell us how you were saved and how God set you free from sin and how God set you free from blank, right? But what you wouldn't do is you wouldn't describe him as a child describes their father as someone who is to be enjoyed. And I see that everywhere, right? We believe in the forgiveness of sins. We believe that his grace was powerful enough to do that. But we don't believe that we have been adopted into his family, right? And if I could be honest this morning, church, the reason why we can't get there is because a lot of us today, we don't necessarily believe it. Because what I know is there's a lot of life experience in this room. There's a lot of life that's happened in this room. Listen to me, church. I'm going to go after some walls with some sledgehammers today. Okay? So let's just go ahead and buckle up, because if this is you, I want to help you today. And if this is not you, pray for your brother and your sister, because this is a very hard place to be, and I believe that many people operate in their Christianity right here, right? There's this disconnect and believing that the all-powerful God of the universe not only cared enough to, to save us for our, uh, of our sins, but also loves us with the same fatherly love that he bestowed on his own son, Jesus, right? Can I preach for a second? Yes. Right? Uh, the world's salvation was achieved at the cross. Yes. 
Listen to me, church. The world's salvation was achieved at the cross, but your salvation began when you accepted it. When you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's when your salvation began, right? And Jesus went to the cross because of an intense love for us, not because he thought everybody would sign up. I want to tell you today that he did that, church, because he loves you. He didn't do it as some blanket statement. He was driven to the cross because of love. And so my prayer for you this morning, church, is that if you came in here and this is you this morning, if you're like I used to be, then I pray that you will be set free today. And I pray that you leave here fully understanding your salvation. Amen? So with all that, with all my cards out on the table, church, turn to Galatians 4. If you've already there, I'm going to give you all a couple of minutes. Rachel will be like, your sermon was great, but you didn't give anybody time to flip. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not used to having a lapel mic, so I keep hitting it. You good? You good? Are you there? You don't even have a Bible. What? Okay. All right. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves. I'm going to read over here. <clears throat> much better off than the slaves until they grow up. Go to the next slide, Miss CJ. Even though they actually own everything that their father had, they have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's why it was, uh, that's way, the way it was before Christ came. We were like children. We were slave to the basic principles of this world. Now listen to me, church. Um, Paul's continuing a thought that he started in chapter 3. Right, He's continuing this idea of uh, uh, what he's doing is he's contrasting us under the law versus us in Christ. Right, And he's breaking this down, the difference of how it was under the law and how it is under Christ. Therefore, because of Jesus, we're members of a family. Okay, so that's what he's doing. He's saying that you're no longer a slave to the law. Not only are you in Christ, but you're in his family. And because we're members of his family, we get to enjoy all that he has as heirs. Right? As one day, everything that's his will be there in his presence, and sin will be demolished, and we'll be able to live life like it was designed to be. Amen. And that day is going to be amazing. Bear with me this morning, church. I'm going to put my seminary degree to work this morning. See, some some of y'all don't even know, you know, I'm not just good looking. I'm smart, too. Um, So since we are heirs, Pastor Josh is trying to mute the mic. Mute his mic. Mute his mic. 
So since we are heirs, all of the promises of Jesus are already fulfilled. All of the promises have already been pulled out. Remember what I said? Salvation was accomplished on the cross. And so when Jesus died, he, he, he decided to go ahead and go to the cross, not knowing who would sign up, not knowing how it would go, but because of his intense love, knowing that there would be people that would rebel, knowing that there would be people who didn't care, that would spit at him, that would hate him, that would turn against him. What about those that loved him for a while and then just walked away? But he did that to fulfill. And we get to share in those promises as his heirs, church. Isn't that awesome? We get to share in those promises. And that's where we are today. Paul is continuing to break down this idea. And so what he's doing in chapter 4 is he's contrasting children and slaves. And he says, when you think about it, if a father dies, that child, that child is no better off than a slave. The, so the Bible is relevant to us today, amen? But I can tell you that Paul is speaking to a different culture. So I'm going to connect some dots this morning. I'm going to break this down into some modern terms. We're going to use my son, Judah. So if something were to happen to me and Rachel, uh, you, you got Judah, good-looking kid, gets that from his dad. Um, you got him, and everything that's mine, he shares in, right? He can go right now. He can get food. He can ask for money. He can do all this stuff because he is my son, and I love him. So everything that is mine, he shares in. And one day, everything that's mine, he stands to inherit. If, if I'm still at this house, he'll get the house. He'll get my broken-down van. He'll get his sister. I can't, hold on. I can't wait till that baby is old enough to start babysitting, you know. He has all my promises as my heir and as my son that all this stuff will be his, but it's not just yet. And why is that? Because he's a kid. And uh, kids are different. They think different, right? He's a kid. And as a kid, if he was still around this age, something happened, he would be under certain controls and certain laws and certain rules and under certain people raising him that we have chosen and rules that we have chosen. We have a family that we have already picked out, great friends of ours that we know would raise our kids the way we want them to be raised until he reaches a certain age and then he would become an adult and he would be my heir but here's why he would be under the control of something else because again he's a kid and he doesn't understand that you can't spend grocery money on roblox because you can't eat roblox <laughs> right so now you know that Dots connected. Amen? So what Paul is saying here is under the law, we were like children. We were, we were told what to do. We were told how to do it, when to do it. We were told what to do if something messed up. <laughs> we were given all these rules, but we were not able to fully possess the relationship with God and the promises of God. And I want to tell you this morning that you can replace that word law right there with the word religion. You can just go ahead and replace it 
Because I think that most of us in here this morning, we've heard of the law because we've been in church. Most of y'all are familiar faces. We've been in church, so we know what the law is, but I feel like we have a hard time fully appreciating the law, but I do feel like we can uh, get on board with what religion does. Amen? So what religion does is it takes us and it starts us out, just like elementary school. So think about elementary school for a minute. You get this very basic idea of life schools. You get basic, I almost said basic. Would have been weird. He needs to go back to elementary school. Um, you get basic reading skills, basic math skills. You learn how to read. You learn how to write. You learn how to not act like an idiot. Some of y'all parents are like, I don't know if idiot's a strong enough word. Um, that's where you learn your social skills, right? Basic social skills. But it does not fully make you capable, right? Uh, you're learning the very basic life structure, but it was designed to be outgrown. Amen? Are y'all connecting with me, church? Are y'all are leaning in this morning? Now, here are the basics that we learn from religion, just like we learned from elementary school. We learn that we're sinners, and we're separated from God. We learn that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot earn our way into right relationship with God, and that we are in need of a perfect Savior. That's what religion does, but now here enter Jesus, right? He is the bridge that takes us from religion and makes us heirs and brings us into relationship. Let's look at uh, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. What a powerful, yeah, give God praise for that. For the rest of our time today, I'm going to break down these scriptures, right? I'm going to unpack this concept a little bit more. I'm going to get some more meat out of it, right? Because I know that if you're like me, there's a lot of this stuff in, in scripture that you read over. And yes, as you're reading the Bible, the whole concept stands out to you. But has this one scripture ever stood out to you? Has this one part ever spoke to you? Do you know the context behind it? So that's what I'm going to give you, right? Religion tells us these things. We're sinners. We need a Savior. We can't save ourselves, right? And knowing that we're sinners, knowing that we need a Savior, knowing that we can't save ourselves, if you stop there, then, then you get lost. If you stop just there, if you just know that, then yes, you may accept Jesus. You may accept what Jesus has done, but ultimately you haven't fully understood it. And it's hard to admit it when you're reading it like this. But let me ask you a question. How many of us are hungry? Don't lie. You're all hungry. There's like four hands. None of y'all came to church hungry. You want to try again before all of us just get, get full of sin right now? How many of y'all are hungry? 
four people. Lord Jesus, let us all get saved this morning. Hallelujah. All right. Well, how many of y'all know that we can get food when we leave here today? Okay. Right. So, if that is true, and we know that, if I closed out the message today, and then you didn't leave, you would still be hungry. Furthermore, not only would you still be hungry, you would be stuck. And the thing that was trying to help you, church, the thing that we view for community, with other believers where we get to corporately worship becomes a burden. And so that's kind of like what the law had became to these people. Something that was designed to bring them into promise had become a burden. And it can be easy to look past this text, church. But let's look right here at uh, verse 5. He says that in the right time, God sent his son, right? Now, Paul is saying right here, listen, this is so much more than in the right time. Paul is saying that in the right time, God fulfilled a promise almost 1,400 years in the making, right? We find this promise in Genesis 3, right? Uh, he, we, we have this law that God's given to his people, and he, he allowed them to be under the law so it would show that they were sinners, that they needed a Savior, and it was also to prepare the world for what he was about to do. Amen? So during that 1,400 years, there was a 400-year period where God was silent. Now, we read this, and we know about this in the Bible, as the period between Testaments, right? And so this is when the Old Testament ended, and the New Testament and the Gospels came into play. But God was completely silent. But even though he was silent, church, listen, he was sovereignly working in the world to make a way for the Savior. Now, now here's, here's just a couple of things. During this time, the Greeks came into power, right? So they... Uh, had a language that started to be widely used, one language widely used in this region of the world. And after the Greeks took over, you had the Romans came to power. Now what they brought to the table is again, they had huge infrastructures. And so they were able to, to make roadways and transportation easier. So now you have uh, the ability to spread good news easily. Because now they've created a way to do that. And during this time frame, synagogues were starting to be built all over the place. Why? Because the Jewish people had been dispersed all throughout the region. And so what was happening in these synagogues is you have Gentile believers that were coming and reading the Old Testament scriptures. And they were starting to adhere to this way of living. And so you have the Jewish people, God's chosen people, and you have the Gentiles, and they're starting to believe the same thing. And here's why. The reason for that is because these people were fed up of all their gods that couldn't do anything. And so they said, we want to know the real God. We want to know the God that can truly satisfy. We want to know the God that's real. And so they started, you started seeing Gentiles uh, connected to God's people. Yeah. 
Now, think about this. You have a common language, you have the ability to spread good news easily, and you have people, Jews and Gentile alike, that are longing for the power of God to come into their life. And so this is the perfect timing. And enter the Son of God, Jesus. Now, friends, this is a powerful reminder to us this morning that the promises of God are always on time. They're always at the right time. And I believe some of you need to hear this this morning. Uh, uh, today, life is hard. Life is painful. You've been dealing with stuff, right? You've been hard, having a hard time. Has anybody ever been to the place where you just have a hard time even seeing the light at the end of the tunnel? Because you just feel like there's so much. And to your credit, you're holding on to the promises of God. You're holding on to the thing that, that God's promised you. But the issue is, is those promises have not yet come to pass. Have not come to pass. And I know what that does, church. It makes you feel like he's not listening, makes you feel alone, and like he's not there. It makes you start questioning, God, is this ever coming? Is this ever happening? What's happening? Where are you? Listen to me, church. God has not left you. God is not ignoring you. He is just waiting for the right time. And that's good news for us to church because I know that it's hard to be in this season. But can I tell you one thing that the timing of God is always perfect and it's always beneficial. You see, he could have sent the Savior. What would that have looked like? Now you have the ability to spread the gospel through the world. Don't lose faith today. Because in the right time, God will come through. And there's no greater proof than him sending his son Jesus in the world. Right? Him coming into the world was a, a fulfillment of a promise given in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, we find the story of the fall of man. We know that story, right? We know that, that Eve, I don't even like saying Adam and Eve, because Eve, the diabolical woman... Yeah? Eve and Adam sinned in the garden, and sin was introduced to the world. It's the reason why we deal with sickness. It's the reason why we deal with death. It's the reason why we deal with injustices. It's the reason why we can't live the way life was designed to be lived. It's the reason why we're separated from God. And in the middle of this rebellion against God, we see the very first glimpse of the gospel, and it's very powerful. He says, in the future, I will, bring, I will send my offspring into the world, and he will reverse the curse into this world. And so you have a promise right there. Then you jump to Genesis chapter 12, and we find this pagan man named Abram. Right? And God made him a promise. So this is where we find not only God's given the promise, but this is how we find out how he's going to do it. He told Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name known. I'm going to make you the father of a great nation. He gave him a new name. He gave him a new identity. And he said, those who bless you, I will bless. And those who curse you, I will curse. And get this next part, church. All of the people in the world will be blessed through you. All the people in the world 
will be blessed through you. Now, this promise seems simple and something just kind of easy to read over, right? How many of y'all have read this and just been like, oh, you know, I don't want a million and a half kids. That sounds terrible, you know? But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, through your descendant, I'm going to send a Savior. And the promise seems really simple. He says, out of those descendants, I'm going to bring a descendant. And his name's going to be Jesus. And he's going to release the hold of sin. And he's going to undo what sin has done. And he's going to restore us with right relationship with God as a perfect sacrifice. Now, that's what that text means when it says all of the people will be blessed. Come on, let's give God praise for Jesus. Amen. Now, Paul tells us in Galatians 3.16 that this is indeed that promised uh, descendant, that Jesus is the promised Savior, that he is the descendant that God promised to Abraham to bless all of the world. We also know this because we can see the genealogy of Jesus. You can actually go and you can read the genealogy of Jesus. That's what I should have done for sound check this morning, just read the whole genealogy of Jesus. That would have been great. So you could see that he is this promised offspring. And praise God that he's still continuing this work today. Thank God that it wasn't just for a person or a people group, but that God right now, the resurrected Jesus, is sitting in his throne. And the Bible says he prays for you. He's continuing to break us from, from sin's penalty. And he's continuing to break the hold of sin in the world. Amen. He is alive and risen. And one day he will rid the world of sin. And one day, all of us who know him will be able to spend time in his presence the way it was designed to be. Man, I cannot wait for that. Praise God for that, because I just know my God loves barbecue. You know what I'm saying? That's why he sent Jesus, is so I could eat pork. You know? Um, then Paul takes us very quickly back to the Christmas story. He says that Jesus was born of a woman. The eternal Son of God emptied himself of all that he was and gave up the heavenly worship of all that he was, the presence of his Father. And he came down and he put on flesh and he was born as a child. And he was born not to a king, but to a poor teenage girl. To a poor teenage girl. Don't miss this, because in that moment, two natures came together in one. You have God nature and human nature. At birth, Jesus did not give up his ability to be God. Now, there are a lot of stuff out there that will teach that because it makes, us, it, makes it a little bit easier to understand. There are pastors that will preach that, books that will say it, um, that when Jesus was born, he was no longer God. Here's why that is an issue, church. Um, they say that everything he accomplished... And everything that he does was out of right relationship with God. And there's scripture that will back up that you can do great things in right relationship with God. But come on, can we say that Jesus did some things that no other person did? Can I just give you a couple of Jesus' highlight reels right here? Right? He, he operated and doing miracles like we have never seen. 
Here are a few. He fed 5,000 with a Happy Meal, right? Love it. Highlight. He calmed the storm instantly with words. He walked on water. He caused blind men to see instantly. He caused lame people that were lame from birth to be able to walk at a moment. He caused the dead to rise. And this is one of my favorite things. You'll find this towards the end of the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been imprisoned and he's awaiting to be killed. And he asked, I just need to know, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the promised one? Jesus answered him by saying, the lame walk, the dead rise, blind eyes are open. And he's saying, listen, I'm doing these things. I'm, I'm making all the, I'm doing all these miracles. I'm fulfilling prophecy. And that's how he answers John the Baptist. That's how he says, I'm the Messiah, right? Um, here's a couple of things. If, if you want to, okay, miracles, we can do miracles. Amen. We could do miracles. We believe that, right? Okay. Jesus received worship. Something only God can do. Um, Jesus forgave people of their sins. Something, again, that only God has the authority to do. And, and, and so I need you to understand that he did not cease being God when he was born as a man. He became both. And here's why that is important today, church. Because only God can set people free from sin. Only God can forgive people of sin. So Jesus set aside his divinity and, and, and he took on our human nature, but he did not get rid of it. Because if he did, we're in big trouble. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're in big trouble. Likewise, if Jesus was not fully man, then we're in big trouble. Because if he was not fully man, he couldn't serve as a perfect representative for man. He couldn't serve as a perfect sacrifice for man. Jesus did both of those things as both God and man through his life and through the crucifixion. And listen to me, Paul tells us that as a man, Jesus was born under the law, like you and I, but unlike you and I, he was able to keep it perfectly. And that's why the life of Jesus is so important to me. Listen to me, church. We love the cross it's powerful. Sin was defeated, the resurrection, death was defeated, but none of that would have mattered if the life of Jesus wouldn't have happened. Because if Jesus wasn't who he says he was, then he would have died the death that he deserved. Right? Because if Jesus wasn't the Son of God and the, the promised Messiah, then he was a blasphemer. And so he would have died the, the death that he deserved and not the death that we deserve. And again, that means that we're in big trouble because that Savior can't save you. So Paul is not just saying that, hey, he was born of a woman. He was this. Paul is breaking this down to these people and he's saying, listen, make no mistake that Jesus is able to save us because he was our perfect representation and our perfect sacrifice. Because he did live a perfect life, because he, he was able to do all those things, he was a perfect sacrifice. And Paul refers 
uh, <clears throat> he was able to do this, and Paul refers to this. He says that he was able to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Yeah. Right? Now, I love this translation of the Bible that I used this week because it breaks this down pretty nicely. When I was kind of doing my notes and reading through different translations, I kept seeing the word redeemed right there. And so I did a little word study on that word redeemed, and that word redeemed means literally to purchase a slave with the intent of freeing them. Right? So let's connect Paul's words right here back to our culture. Picture in this moment that there's a man, he goes to the slave market, Right? He brings out his Apple phone, he Apple pays, he buys all the slaves. Every slave in the market, he buys them. He purchases their full price. And then he says, not only have I purchased you, but you're no longer slaves. You're set free. But even further, you're all going to be part of my own personal family. That's what Jesus did for us. He lived a perfect life. He died a murderer's death. Why did he do it? <laughs> Let's look back at the, at the text because it tells us. He, said, he, he did it, and it says, so that he could adopt us as his own children. This is the part of salvation that so many people have a hard time grasping. Right? I've already told you. It's the part that I had a hard time grasping. And if I'm being honest with you, church, if I can lay my life open in front of you today, if there's one thing that Satan's going to attack me on, it's this right here. I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't picture something very easily coming along and making me hate God. But stuff does come along to make me feel insecure. Stuff does happen out of my own choices <laughs> where at some point I stop believing this. And at some point when I feel like that, I always go back here because I know this is where it is. I know that somewhere in here I've stopped believing that I'm not just forgiven, but I'm adopted. This is the part that is so important. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ we, and we receive him as our Savior, we not only receive forgiveness of sins, but he restores us to relationship with God. He declares over us that we are forgiven. And in that same moment, he adopts us as his own. And then he starts to pour out all of the promises that come along with being a son or a daughter. Right? Like, we don't work for those things. He gives them to us freely. Why? Because we're in the family now. Let's look at our ancient culture one more time. If a wealthy man had no children, he could actually take a servant and he could adopt them as one of his own. Now, if that servant was young, no, no matter what, he didn't have to wait till a certain age. As soon as, as this happened, he was no longer a servant. Instead, he was a son. And he was free to enjoy all that the man had and the benefits and the promises that went along with that. But then when the man passed, he would get his inheritance as his heir. 
started out as a servant and now he's a son. And listen to me, church, that is salvation this morning. Now, all my note takers, I love Miss Tanya. She's like, you're not giving me anything. She's had her, had her notebook out all morning like... All right, for all my note takers, listen to me. Write this down. This is important. Salvation is justification and adoption. That's all I want you to get from this is salvation is justification and adoption. And the mistake that many people make is that they only think of salvation as justification. That is that they only think of salvation as forgiveness of sins. And in that scenario, we are like the, sa- the slave that has been set free and then sent into the world with nothing and nothing to go to. When I say it like this, it's so easy to read. It's so easy to comprehend. But when it happens in your life, it, it, it's not, right? And, and we do this. Let me show you, church. This is why so many people have a warped view of God. Because so many people, if you were to ask them what they think about God, they would not describe Him as a loving Father to be enjoyed, but as a master to be appeased. As a master to be appeased. And listen to me, that's why you're so insecure with your relationship with God. That's why you can pray, you can read, serve, come to church, do all of these things. And rather than living fulfilled, you, you wonder all of the time, was it enough? Am I enough? Did I do enough to please you today, Lord? Listen to me, the only way to get out of that insecurity is to embrace your salvation fully to embrace your salvation fully, to believe that you have been forgiven and adopted, that you've been freed from slavery and brought into a family. Now, another might be some of you today that have a hard time trying to take all of this in. Maybe you have a hard time believing it. Maybe you have a hard time understanding it. Can I just tell you, that's okay. God sent help. God never meant you to do this on your own. Not only did he birth his church, but listen, this is why he sent help. Band, if you'll go ahead and come and get ready to to lead us in worship, I'm going to close. If you look back at verse 6, Paul says, Look, because you are his children, he has sent his own spirit to live in us, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Did you see it? Because you are his children, he has sent his own spirit to what, church? Live in us, prompting us to call out. Now, Jesus sent his spirit to affirm your salvation. Amen? Let me say it like this. If Jesus brought about our adoption, the Holy Spirit helps us experience our adoption. It helps us experience our sonship. Right? 
It helps us experience him as a father. And that's why I personally, and we at Eastgate Church, we believe in the gifting and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We believe that we need him. We believe that that's why he was sent to us. We believe that he's important. And honestly, he's the one that confirms our adoption. Now, this word right here, Abba, is very, very personal. It's the term for dad. It's a personal term for dad. Now, this would be the equivalence of, of today hearing daddy or dada, right? And this makes me think of my own family, my own kids. If you are around us for five minutes when I get my kids or you're at our house for any amount of time, you'll understand that my kids are definitely inclined to yell for their dad. Case in point, I was ironing out the rest of this sermon last night upstairs. Rachel's sitting beside Judah. Judah screams, Daddy! I hear Lila, oh, geez, they're all just running together. They're all just running together. I need help, guys. I need a babysitter. I hear Rachel, don't you go upstairs. Judah comes upstairs, Daddy. Can I have a popsicle? I almost beat my head on the wall. I'm like, why didn't you ask your mom? But that's how it is, just to be honest, right? If they're excited, if they're happy, if they've had a good day, you're going to get, Daddy, 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 Daddy. If they're hurt, if they're sad, if they're scared, Daddy, Daddy. <laughs> get this, church. If they mess up, daddy. Listen, they don't have any fear of whether or not their status has changed by their behavior. They don't have any fear of maybe because they've done this that they're no longer my kids. Instead, they want to cry out to me. And in all of these scenarios, church, make no mistake, I am always there. And I am a poor representation of what your heavenly father is. I love my kids with all my heart. But I promise you, I don't love them as much as God loves you. As much as God loves us today. Right? And so what Paul is saying at the end here in verse 7, listen, you're no longer slaves. You're no longer slaves. You've been adopted as God's own children. Not because of what you've done, but because of how much he loves you. And because his grace and through his grace, he has adopted you into his family as his own. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I don't want you to unplug because this is what this whole sermon's about. So I want you to really lean in. With all of what I've said this morning, I have an honest question for you. It's going to be a hard question, but an honest one. Do you approach God like a slave approaching their master that needs to be appeased? Or do you run to God like a fearless child does to their daddy. Who are you this morning?
Who are you this morning? Are you a slave or are you a son? I believe with all my heart you know the answer to that question. For those of y'all that can say, I've been approaching God like a slave, can I just tell you that you don't fully understand your salvation? I get it. Like me, you believed, you prayed, repented, received, right? You know you're going to heaven. You know that he's forgiven your sins, but you have not fully embraced that Jesus has also brought you in as part of his family and that he has lavished his love upon you. And here's my invitation to you, church. Here's my invitation to you. Start to pray right now. We're going to have prayer time, but I want you to start to pray right now because you know the answer. Start to pray right now. And what I want you to pray is I want you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you today your adoption. To reveal to you today your sonship. But listen to me. Don't stop there. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you experience it today. To help you experience that adoption. And listen to me. I challenge you that you would stop approaching salvation like it's supposed to be earned. And instead of behavior modifications that has tried and just left you feeling empty and all this religious stuff that you've done that's just left you feeling empty. I want to challenge you today to realize that God loves you today and I want you to live your life in light of that truth. As a youth pastor, I remember trying to explain to teenagers that Christianity was not about behavior modification. Instead, you're transformed more like Jesus because of what he has done for you and your closeness with him. A lot of us miss that. Adults too. The second thing I want as my friends are praying for themselves, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal. I want to give a chance to just accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I never want to leave without doing that, right? Because here's the deal, the salvation that we've talked about today, you have to accept, you have to believe, you have to confess. Right now, you're still separated from the God who created you. But here's what I also know. If you're in this place, you're watching online, you know that too. You know that too. And so my prayer is that you would hear the words that I've spoken and feel the draw of the Holy Spirit today and that you would want to be welcomed into his family. And if that's you, I want to help you this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to do anything weird. But if that's you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to just look up at me this morning, make eye contact with me. Then you can put it back down. All right. All right. Online, listen. I know that there's not a way I can see 
if you're responding. But I'm going to tell you a couple of things if you want to make this decision today. The Bible says that first we have to believe that we're in need of a Savior. Believe that what Jesus did on the cross counts for our sin. We have to confess and turn away from that previous life. We have to confess that Jesus didn't stay dead. Instead, he defeated sin and the grave. So whatever words you want to use, just pray a simple prayer. God, I know that I'm separated from you and that I need you. So today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I believe that you died for me and that you rose from the dead. And I thank you today for a fresh start. Listen to me, if you prayed that this morning, drop us a comment, drop us a message, send us an email, do something to let us know. Again, we're not going to embarrass you, we're not going to call you out or make a big deal, but we want to celebrate you, and furthermore, we want to partner with you. Amen? Church, will you stand up this morning? You can open your eyes all around this place. I'm just going to end us in prayer this morning. And I pray that, listen, if you're in here today and you're like, man, I don't really struggle with this, pray for those that do. Pray for those that do. Amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you for our beautiful family. I thank you that what you did on the cross counts for us. And Lord, I pray that all of us today not just receive the forgiveness of sin and repent of our sins, but instead we walk into our relationship with you knowing that we are heirs and children in your family. And I pray that we start to approach you like that. And I pray that all those insecurities that you feel are gone. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. If you've started a work in someone today, Lord, I pray right now that it continues. I pray that it continues. In your holy name, we pray. Can we give God praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Listen to me, church. I love you guys. I pray for you guys. I've been praying all week in, in preparation as I'm getting ready to deliver this. And I, I just want to tell you guys, I love you. And I'm praying for you guys. And I believe in you guys. And if you need anything, listen to me. I know what this is like to go through this. So if you need anything, please feel free to reach out. And I would love to help you out with this. Amen. I love you. Go have an awesome week. Thank you.